0: So, w- today we're returning to our series study on the book of Revelation. And um, we w- so far we are, we've dealt with this first six trumpets. We're dealing with the trumpets, and that will be um, covering a lot of chapters. In the book of Re- Revelation. Praise the Lord. I believe from chapter 8. That's when the trumpets began. And I think we are now around chapter 10. Is that correct? 10. So these cover the trumpets. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now ordinarily. Trumpets. Trumpets. Are supposed to, uh, you know, in the Bible, uh, serve as a musical instrument that, you know, ushers in uh, God's people into praise and all that. But in this case, it seems that our and it usually it summons God's people, but it seems here uh, and when it summons God's people, maybe for something like fast like in Joel, proclaim a fast, or for them to pray or to act in one way or the other, like in the capture of Jericho, and um, and so on and so forth. But here, who are these trumpets ushering in, calling the attention of? Whose attention? Well, Okay, Mm, that could be indirectly true. Mm. That could be indirectly true, yes. yes. Apart from the people on earth, who are more directly, who are they, the trumpets ushering in? The angels. But when she said that, it, it, it sounds logical because it was sounded to usher the angels uh, to begin to, re- re- to release their judgment. But perhaps the, the people on earth will hear it also <laughs> and helplessly. Especially the unbelievers, but the believers may hear it and rejoice, you know. So I am th- inclined to believe that also the people hear it. it. It's like the trump of God when it sounds, the final trumpet, you know, the one that will usher in the rapture. You know, that's a trumpet. Huh? okay. So, all right, that's interesting. Now, <laughs> we we saw that six trumpets have been sounded and each of the trumpets ushered in a wide range of judgments. Is that correct? That's what we've seen so far. So therefore, in this particular case, what the trumpets were ushering in were judgments. Is that correct? Through the angels. The angels were the ones releasing Blowing, sounding the trumpets, and then the, the God poured out the the judgments. So um, that's interesting. Now we are going to just by way of summary. Before we had the trumpets, what series of judgments did we have? Before the trumpets, we had another series of sevens, the seals. You, you understand what I'm saying? So, here's... I, w- I want us to see this. There were three programs of judgment. And this is not eternal judgment. Eterni- you, of course, you remember the difference. Eternal judgment is judgment that will come at the end and will continue throughout eternity. That's why it's eternal. And they will co- happen at the end of time. But these ones are happening in time and in history And on earth, eternal judgment will take place, and the experience of it will be in hell, which is not on earth and in time. Are you following? But so, within this book of Revelation, we have three series of program of judgment the first, seven series, the seals, second, the trumpets, third, the bowls or the vials, never forget that. Are you, are you following? And I want us to pay, bear in mind that it's within this time, especially the trumpet, that we have the great tribulation. Okay. The, are, you, are you beginning to see that? So because you may be wondering, Pastor, when is great tribulation? With the approach we used in our previous study, we did great tribulation as a subject. But in terms of his placement, we are seeing it now. Amen? Okay. So, what is the difference between the seals and the trumpets? I said it for the last two s- studies. I've been emphasizing it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That that seal is different from the seal of the seven. Okay, but 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 but, is a, a, but yeah, even though I see what you mean, it happened within the seals, but there was a, a unique difference. I we used to m- differentiate between the seals and the trumpets. If you remember, we emphasized it last week. The mic. Mike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were not put to death by the torture they went through. Okay. There was in the tro- in the seals mm-hmm. a time when people were even begging for death too. Yeah. And some died. Okay. The difference is this. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Mhm, 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 and and intense as the trumpets. That's one major area of difference. The severity. Are you are you following? Let me give you another difference. The seals. Remember, here's the significance of the seals, and here's what you will always remember when we talk about seals. The seven seals. Remember, they were the things that were used to. To hold a book. And when they were being taken off, the book has not been opened. Okay, so like the seals were preliminaries. When we think about the judgments, they were preliminaries, that's number one. And we never forget that. Amen. Then also, because they are preliminaries, here's what they represent the seals. Are uh, even things that are already happening now. Remember that. I always remember that. Like rumors of wars, uh, wars, and uh, you know, uh, famine, hunger, all of that. They have always been happening since Jesus left. They are happening even now, and that's why in Matthew twenty-four, in, in the Mount of Olives, it was the seals that Jesus was referring to. That when you hear about wars and rumors of war, say don't worry. The end has not yet come. He was talking about the seals. He said they are beginning of what? Bad pains or bad pangs. The real bad pangs are the trumpets and the bulls that will come. Because those bad pangs are, that expression is a reference to the great tribulation. So the seals have been happening. Are happening and will happen more, yet the end is not that immediate. Are we are we following? And that's the thing about the seal. Do they have serious judgments in them? Yes. It's like you ain't seen nothing yet. That's number one. Number two, it's not everything on in, in the seal that is judgment. Remember, for instance, the first seal when it was broken, what happened? The white horse went out and we believe that that white house going out was proclamation of the gospel it's like their own trumpet in that phase to warn the people if you don't accept the trump the first seal the white horse then you will bear the consequences of the next six and the trumpets and the other things are we are we getting the differences now amen so that's important now the trumpets are now an intensification of the judgments. Yet also, they are not, that's not a climax. <laughs> Amen? Praise God. And then also we saw that between the fifth and the sixth, and uh, between the sixth and the seventh seal, there was an interlude. And that interlude was about the sealing Of God's people, that sealing is different from the seals. Are are, are we following? Even though it's the same word, the seal, the seven seals, uh, is like a bind on the book. But the seal that we read between the sixth and the seventh is like the mark God put on His servants to identify them and mark them out before the seventh seal. And what does the seventh seal represent? Seventh seal. The fullness of the seals, right? And what is its content? The seven trumpets. Remember that. So that's why God sealed his people. Because his people could, you know, survive the seals. But this one is coming now. You need God's seal to be marked out of it. The trumpets and the bowls. Are we, are, we, are we following? It's important that we get these things. And what value is, is this knowledge to us? What's the value of this knowledge to us? To let us be more aware so that eh, we check ourselves, change our lives, change our behavior, because this is what Solomon calls the conclusion of the matter. He said, of learning so many books. He said, too much study. Come over here for my extent there. It's weariness to the body. Amen? And he said, of make, making many books, you know, it's not necessary. Let us hear the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and do what? Obey his commandments. So that's the whole purpose. That's the advantage we have. That's why we are here this evening. So that we hear these things, we don't perish with the world. (laughs) That's what the Bible says. Even though all that we learn in church, that's why. That's what it is. But this one has a sense of urgency. Amen? Praise God. And that's what it is. You know, there are some dreams you dream at night. And you wake up and say, I will pray. Before today is over. There are some dreams you dream. Right there, you begin to pray. Is that true? Come over. Come to the front seat. Martha, come on. Come on. Let's share your anointing. (laughs) Amen? Praise the Lord. (laughs) Amen? So, but we need to understand these things so that, and the whole purpose is not intellectual. It's, spiritual, attitudinal and behavioral, we these things are meant to God's purpose is to reveal these things to us so that our lives will change. Amen. So between and, and then we had this the seven trumpets, is that correct? The first four trumpets have one characteristic. Anybody remembers the first four trumpets, they have a, a unique characteristic. Come over here for Mike. Let's stay in the front. Amen. Amen. So, w- w- what is the main characteristic? <laughs> what is the main characteristic of the first four trumpets? Anybody remember? That's something common to the first four trumpets. Um not quite. That's not a major unique thing about the first four trumpets. You remember? The what? No, that's uh, the seals. The trumpets. Huh? Yes. They deal with the atmosphere, the earth, the sea, the heavens, the stars, the bodies of waters. Amen? And they indirectly affect rebellious humanity. And that was why, uh, that's the first uh, five. That's the first five. And that's why when they finished, that ego that flew across the heavens said, you ain't seen nothing yet. Three wolves are coming, or two. No, it was the first four. First four trumpets. Then he said that three wolves are coming after that. What are the three wars? The fifth, sixth, and seventh, right? And the the target of the fifth and sixth are what directly on the humanity. Remember, on their flesh, those scorpion, uh, uh, um, uh, scorpion, grasshoppers, like yeah, and so on and so. Locusts, locusts, amen. And then the sixth came, and then. Another interlude, that's where we are now, is the second interlude. Please, it's important that we remember these headlines. That will give you a point of reference, and that will make you, when you're studying it, you understand it. But remember, the ultimate goal of God is for our lives to change. Not just change, but with a sense of what? Urgency. The book of Revelation is about urgency. Amen? Praise God! All right, I, I, I really want us to get these summaries together. They are very important. Uh, that's what makes this class different, and um, ultimately it brings us down to what we are, because we are doing a verse by verse study. Uh, it's re- the book of Revelation all Bible studies I hardly do verse by verse, and that's why it's taking us time. Amen. If we were not doing verse by verse, we would have been done long time. So we are dealing with the in second interlude, and of course, you know what an interlude represents. Anybody can tell me what the interludes mean. Anybody? What's the meaning of an interlude in the Book of Revelation? First and foremost, how many interludes do we have? Three. Three interludes. What are the meaning? The what do the inter- interludes mean? Quickly, quickly, so that we can go into the material for today. Okay, in his visions. Yes. And then comes back. That's the interludes. Amen? So where was the first interlude? Where? Can you locate the first interlude? You know, because after the study, you're going to go and read the book again. Amen? Or you should be reading the book now. Huh? After the so the first interlude is between the sixth seal and the seventh seal, and what was its content of the first interlude? They they they're setting apart of the two multitudes, separating them, amen. Uh, the one hundred forty-four thousand and the unnumbered multitude, amen. Why did they have to be sealed? Why? Because of the release of the trumpets, the plagues of the trumpets that will come after from the seventh trumpet. Is that clear? Are we, are we following? I want everybody to be on the same page. Honestly, I want everybody to be on the same page in these things. Amen? And that will make you to understand the book so that that fear and myth, sense of myth around it will be taken away. And so that when you study it, you understand what's going to happen. It's important. It gives us a view of the future so that we know how to live our lives. Amen? Second interlude, where is it located? After the sixth trumpet. So, between the sixth and the seventh trumpet, what does it talk about? The little book, which was what we started, right? Sir Pascal, wanted to get that one out. <laughs> Amen. There are three about three or four subjects there. Amen. So uh, at least she, she saves her head. Amen. So so he 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 veers off again from the vision on the trumpet and discusses some other important, very interesting things, and he comes back. Interestingly, the third trumpets, the third interlude is different from the two. It doesn't wait for the sixth. Uh, uh, bowl. Uh, 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 amen? It, it, it starts, this, the second interlude is between the sixth and seventh trumpet. Is that correct? Yes. This third interval comes immediately after the seventh trumpet before the bulls start. Amen? So we are going to see that too. And then after we see the trumpet, the bulls come after the bulls come, the end of the bulls will be the end of evil. Babylon will fall. Amen? Christ will return, arrest the Antichrist, deal with him, set up the millennial kingdom. Satan will be under in prison over that 1,000 years. Are we, are we following? At the end of the 1,000 years, Satan is released. He starts making trouble again. Then he's finished off. Arrested and put in hell. And then the new heaven and new earth comes. The son and the father begin to rule. And we will join them to rule. Front row. You have a front row seat reserved for you. Front row seat, Glenn. Amen. Praise the Lord. Is that okay? Is that okay? Is that a, a little idea? Before we go to what we have today, what was the main subject of chapter one? Chapter one, f- apart from the preambles, and when you open it gives you preambles, introduction, but a, and apart from the introduction, that's a subject, that's a theme, a major theme of interest. What was it? The person and the vision of the glorified, the vision of the person of the glorified Christ. are we following Chapter two and three. What was the theme, the subject? The, the seven churches. Amen. Chapter four, the throne, the heavenly throne of God. Chapter five, the sealed, seven sealed scroll or book. Amen. Praise God. Chapter six and seven. The, seven, the breaking of the seven seals. Eight to ten. The trumpets. Are we following? Okay. All right. So let's go back for today's material. Is that a a quick preview? So now your job is to go back and read verse by verse. Are you all following? All right. Let let me say this, and I need all your attention. What I've given you is a a preview to guide you to understand the book. But that's not the ultimate you need a cup of water? Go get a cup of water. You know what I've found out? Were you coughing before you got here? Okay. Okay. Go go get a sip of water. Okay. All right. Um, So please understand that what I have given you is like a a preview of the book. But the verse-by-verse study that will change our lives is your job to meditate on, to reflect on. But you do better on that if you understand the preview of the book. Is that clear? You will do better. And then you will understand what applies to you, what applies to unbelievers and all that. And when they talk about the seals, you have an understanding of what they are talking about. Amen? Praise God. Take, for instance, if you know that God's people will be sealed, even you have a sense, now we are sealed now. There's a seal on us. Amen? And, and so we have to bear that in mind. We, we should live in such a way not to break the seal. When was the first time God's people were sealed in history? Anybody understand, you remember? Can you remember? The f- one of the earliest sealing of God's people in history. In the Bible. Huh? In Egypt. Even before the Passover. When the plagues were falling in Egypt. The part of Egypt where they live was called Goshen. Nothing happened there. Because God's people were there. That's what, this is what we call redemptive difference. There's a principle in the Bible known as redemptive difference. where While judgment of God can come upon an environment, but because you're a child of God and you keep the seal, you'll be spared. That's why the argument whether the church will be out of here before um, tribulation or not, is not very important. I believe that a major part of the church will go out. I believe there will be believers here. But the fact is that they'll be spared by the seal of God. It happened in Egypt. Are, are, you, are you following? By the way, during this time of the trumpet especially, that's the particular time of tribulation, people will be repenting. Some others will be hardened, as we saw, right? The last time. Are, are you following? So God is able to keep his people in the midst of anything and save spare them as long as they stay under the seal even now we have a seal praise the lord on us all right And what's the seal on us now huh pastor this one speak like loud like a pastor in the <laughs> amen the holy spirit is the seal on us i wish we have time we'll get into that all right where where, where are we starting today Verse five, okay. Who's reading? There's you've not read in a long time. You did? Oh, Sister Mata read last week. Oh, okay, Sister Mata. This is baptism for you. The 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 revelation baptism from verse seven or oh, from verse five. Sorry. And then you guys, are, my Bible reader is not here today. Okay, so, uh, uh, Amen. So, we, we, we started by, de- by dealing with a little book, is that correct? Huh? We, this is the second interlude. Yes. Okay, go ahead. Amen, hallelujah.
1: Verse 5, mm-hmm. then the angel whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land lifted up his right hand to heaven.
0: Okay. If if you remember, the, he saw this angel, yes. a mighty angel come down from heaven with a book, right, in his hand. And now we are looking at the position of that angel. Is that correct? Yes. All right, quickly.
1: Most clearly, this posture of the angel is one associated uh, the taking of oaths. With the taking of oaths. With mm-hmm. the taking of oaths. And it's therefore a suggestion that he was about to take an oath.
0: Is that clear? Yes. That posture of the angel suggests that it's, it's a typical posture of taking an oath. Amen? So therefore he was about to take an oath. That, uh, that, that's the suggestion. Go ahead. Verse 6. Mm-hmm.
1: And the angels were by him who lives forever and ever, Mm -hmm. who created heaven and the things in it, Mm -hmm. and the earth and the things in it, Mm -hmm. and the sea and the things in it, Mm -hmm. that there will be delay no longer. Mm. But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he's about to sound, Mm. the mystery of God is finished Mm. as he preached to his servants, the prophets.
0: Did you notice what said about the seventh trumpet? Huh? But what trumpet are we dealing with now? What was the last trumpet? Sixth. Sixth. So the seventh has not sounded, but the angel is looking forward to that. He, he, he wants, the angel is praising God and asking him to finish off everything by this next one. And what was, what was going to be the content of the seventh uh, trumpet? What? The bowls. And that's the finishing program of judgment and wrath. The bowls are unbelievable. They are horrible. The vials. The judgment will pour in like rain. <laughs> Amen? So you, you, you hear the heart of the angel there. Is that correct? Amen. Praise God. And he was taking an oath for that. He's asking, make, trying to seek God to commit to that. All right? All right. Re, re, read the notes on the line
1: Following the angel's oath taking gesture or positioning in the previous verse, here we find the corresponding words of his oath.
0: So the words of his oath are there in that verse, right? Uh, in verse 5 was the posture. In verse 6 was the words of the oath.
1: The greetings and opening words of the oath is an acknowledgement of God's eternal nature. Uh, creatorship, Lordship, and Sovereignty over all beings and the rest of created universe. Considering the context and the overall state or condition of things at the time of the greeting, it is evident that by the words of his greeting, the angel was conscious and reflective of the imminence of the consummation and end of all things.
0: Did you notice that? All right, so if you look at what what we said in the first earlier portion, verse, is that if you look at the words used for God there, there, right? Acknowledgement of his eternal nature, his creatorship, which was common in the book of Revelation. Both men, elders, 24 elders are angels. They always sing that psalm, that song towards God. And I think it's something we need to copy. One of the things I like about the book of Revelation is that it opens a curtain for us to see what's happening in heaven. Amen. Uh, the book of Revelation is very beautiful like that. So it talks about God's lordship, his sovereignty over all things, and the rest of all created universe. That's He's the an author, and He has to be the finisher. Remember that scripture? The author and the finisher of our faith. And in this and what finisher of all things all right continue and um so the angel was also conscious of the consummation of all things what will bring about this consummation of all things the bowls right after the sounding of the seventh s- trumpet which was going to be the next trumpet is that clear all right continue
1: First, all things must surely and will soon come to an end. Mm. But God and him alone abides and lives forever. All things we are creature. But God the creator is about to bring them all to an end. As the sovereign Lord, nothing will at this point resist him. Accordingly, all things Satan. His forces, rebellious humanity, the heavens, earth, the sea, and all that are in them are now about to be brought under absolute subjection and submission to God and his Christ.
0: So what, what do you understand from that? What can you, what's your own language, understanding of that write-up? Are we, are we following? Huh? How, how, do you, how do you explain that write-up? What do you understand? Use the mic. Maybe help. Sister Mata, go ahead before she comes.
1: Okay, what I wanted to say is that at the end, everything will just end, but God will not end. Because he is the creator of all those things, of everything.
0: That's that's the first thing about it. Did you notice that? Huh? Uh, the the writer of the book of Hebrews says something like that. At the end of it all, everything will come to an end. The only thing that will abide is Almighty God. And by His grace, those who believe in Him. Amen? That's one thing. Yes? That's what you want. Any other angle? That's another angle. That's another angle to that. You notice that nothing will defy Him at that time. Uh, if you look at what has been happening in history, you ask, God, why are you allowing this? Huh? Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Even the things that are happening today, is that true? Huh? That's the answer for the question. Because God has a program. It will come to a time that he will not allow evil and foolishness to go on anymore. So, not the things that appear to be defying him now, or have defied him in history, apparently, will not stand up. How, how does that benefit us? How, how do, what, what does that make, uh, you know, what impact do, does that make to us now, on us now? Come on. With this idea, with what we just said, how does that impact us? It
1: shows that we were
2: serving the true and living God.
0: That's right? number one. We're serving the true living God. How else?
2: You know, at times when we see things happening like earthquake, children dying, even the shootings, we sometimes we tend to want to ask God why. But he allows these things to happen. But at one point, it, everything you. will be. Subjected. Very
0: good. Very good. Very good. Uh, we, we, we have to, for those of us who tend to ask many questions, why is this happening? Why is that happening? You know what? Put that thing on the floor. Why is this happening? Why is is God not doing this? He has his own time. Amen. Amen. You know one thing about God: for judgment is going to go to the graves and bring people out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Nobody walks away with mother. Are you hearing me? All the people you think that they are doing evil and walking away today. You know, my my wife and I were looking at the judgment on people like Bill Cosby now and so on and so forth. Some of these things we had done yes. twenty years ago, so many years ago. You think it was been forgotten? Are you Are you hearing me now? Towards the end of his life, eighty year old man. Each of the the uh, ch- charges ca- ca- carry about ten years. So you you except the judge, you know, exercises grace. You're looking at like thirty years. So that's how ju- judgment is. Uh, can we all have together? Come together here. Judgment ripens. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, ju- ju- judgment has the Bible talks about in Ecclesiastes. I wish we have time. It ripens, and that's why if we are doing something today and we think nothing is happening, nobody's in a no. There's a ripening process. You, have you wondered why some mangoes are up still, <laughs> and then some are falling? Do you understand what I'm saying? If you look at the ones that are falling, they are ripened. Unless a big wind fell to bring the green ones down. Amen? Yes. You had something to say? Or you... Samata, you had something to say? Okay. So, let's look at a few scriptures there. Let's look at Hebrews 2. Um, and you know what? Actually, let's go to Hebrews 1. Let's look at just Hebrews 1. Hebrews 1 was, um, Let somebody go to Psalms 102, verse 12. Psalms 102, verse 12. And um, the other person will go to Hebrews 1. Hebrews, the first chapter. Uh, anybody got Hebrews the first chapter somebody read from verse 10 down okay come on read uh, someone 1 or 2
3: Hebrews 1 verse 10 uh, and you and you Lord in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth mm-hmm. and the heavens and the works of your hands mm-hmm. they will perish but you remain And they will become old like garments. And like a mantle, Mm. you will roll them up. Mm. Like a garment, they will also be changed. Mm. But you are the same, and your years will not come to an end.
0: Okay. If you start from the beginning, it's talking about Jesus. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that? And that's what John is seeing in the book of Revelation here. If you go to Psalms 101, what was the first one I asked us to? okay please let's read it quickly
1: Um, Psalm 102 verse 12 but you O Lord shall endure forever Mm. and the remembrance of your name to all generations Mm.
0: see that so God at the end everything will come to an end amen God alone will abide he will fold up all things And that's one of the things that confidence we have in God, that He abides forever. No other God can claim that. Amen? Amen. All right, moving on. Samata?
1: The core or essential oath here is that there should be time no longer. Mm -hmm. King James Version. Or more accurately, that there should be delay no longer. You you remember
0: that that's part of what the angel said in his oath. Okay, so, more accurately, that there should be delayed no longer. He he, he came to a point. Say, God, why are you delaying? Finish this thing off. Are you are you following? It comes to a point. I, and, and you know what? God can be systematic, and sometimes we think that God is slow. Eh? yes. Yeah, he's wasting time, but he knows what he's, he's doing. Aren't you shocked that I've, after the fifth trumpet? Some people, after seeing that, refuse to repent. Remember, God was getting them gradually, by gradually. Amen. So, and you look at some things happening around the world, and I say, God, why should these people in Nigeria this last week, this week, Muslim herdsmen went to a church, killed two Catholic priests. Worship us in Benue, Nigeria, and it's like, God, where are you? He looks, sits in the heavens and looks down, amen. Are you all following? Come over here, uh, yeah, come, come to the front seat. It's a front row offer, <laughs> amen. Praise God. All right, go go ahead.
1: The King James Version seems to suggest that the angel was seeking to secure from God by oath the cessation of time as we know it and the ushering in of the age of timelessness known as eternity. Mm. But the angel was instead calling for the removal of every intervening space of time that delays the manifestation of the consummation of Remaining impending judgment.
0: Is that clear? Okay. Go ahead.
1: In other words, he was proclaimed by an oath, the immediate or instant manifestation of the consummation of judgment, and of all things. This is made even clearer in the NIV, where it says, "There shall be no more delay." Reve- the, Revelation ten
0: six. six. So that's actually what the angel is asking for by an oath from God that there shall be no more delay. Finish it off, Lord. (laughs) Amen. Go ahead.
1: This proclamation by the angel echoes the petition of the souls of the martyred saints found under the altar in heaven. And who, having sensed a delay in God's vindication for their souls, had cried for quick vindication. There, they had been told to rest for a while, while longer. A, li- a little while longer. Mm, a little while longer, sorry. Until the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who were to be killed even as they had been, should be completed also.
0: Did you notice that? Mm. Re- remember when we were wow. looking at the seals, the breaking of the seals. In, uh, one, of the, one of the seals, he saw he saws of the matters that had been slain over the ages under the altar in heaven. And they were crying out to God and saying, how long before you vindicate our mother? And the voice said to them, wait, more people will be killed. More of the saints of God will be killed. God is very patient. Uh, but Peter said, do not take the patience of God as his overlooking of judgment. You know, and that's why people mock him. They say, you keep telling in Peter, he said, you keep telling us that, you know, uh, he's coming back, judgment will come. And we've been waiting and nothing happened. That's how men thinks. Have you read that scripture before? Mm. Even today, that should change our life. We, when we hear the word of God and we keep doing what we are doing, because nothing has happened for three, four, five years, doesn't mean it will happen. Do you understand? So that's a behaviour changing point there. Because it's a principle. Eh? Uh uh-huh.
3: Some people they don't they, they don't want to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. They don't want to believe because yeah. they say we've been waiting, they say mm-hmm. Christ is coming, He's yeah. coming. So mm-hmm. what is the big deal? Mm-hmm. Me, let me go do what I have to do, my friend. Exactly. Listen, I don't think it's ever coming. Exactly.
0: So, so the, our time in a thousand years is like and that's why Peter said that. He wasn't thinking of this. It's like a day before the Lord. And a day is like a thousand years before the Lord. So we we don't use the same calendar with him. He doesn't use the same calendar with us. Uh, For instance, and we have to understand this, God does not exist within time. We exist within time. But he doesn't. He he envelopes time. Do you understand? That's why he says, I'm the same yesterday, today and forever. and That's why he said, I am the Lord, I change not. That's why he say, I am he that I am. That's what that means. Or I will be he that I will be. Or I was he that I was. All these name, uh, reflection names reflect his existence in eternity. And eternity does not really mean, only mean you know, endlessness of time. That's a secondary meaning of eternity. Amen? Eternity is a realm that is different from the realm that we exist on. On Eternity is a nature first. And that's the nature of God and the realm in which God exists. We exist in time and history. Yes, that we live in. God has no past, present, and future. In Him, past, present, and future melt. Do you understand? (laughs) We need to understand that. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, in Him, present, past, present, and what future do what they melt. Praise the Lord. He envelops them. Amen? Amen? There is eternity before. And there is eternity after. And that's why somebody like Jesus Christ had always existed. Uh, the, the, the part of him we know, think of, was when he was born into time. Are, are, you, are we following? Amen. It was only when he was born into time. So, or, otherwise, he had always existed where? In eternity. Let's bring more chairs out. Everybody, we're we taking front row. Everybody's a front row VIP. The Bible class program is a VIP front row program. That's one place you go. You go and get a front row seat. Glenn, you didn't know that before now. <laughs> Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, all right. Sister Mata is still on the mic.
1: And here, by this proclamatory oath of the angel that mm. says, there will be no more delay, Re- Revelation ten six, it appears that those martyred saints are about to receive the vindication they had cried out for.
0: Did you, did you, you see that, right? The rebellious humanity. Mm, one of the things, manifestation of their rebellion is in the persecution and the murder uh, of God's people. And God is avenging now. It's God's time. Amen? Amen. Alright. Mm-hmm. Verse, seven. verse 7.
1: But in the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he is about to sound, then the, mat- the mystery of God is finished Amen. as he preached to his servants the prophets.
0: Okay. The mystery of God is finished as he had preached to his servants the prophets. Continue.
1: The days of the voice of the seventh angel... As spoken of here means much more than the mere singular act of the blowing of the seventh trumpet by the seventh angel. Instead, it entails a time period which is implicitly the coming period of of the seven balls and the resultant or accompanying manifestations of divine judgment.
0: So, that, that sounding, the days not just that sounding of that seventh trumpet. Are you following? It will include the entire period of the seven bowls. Remember, what is the content of the seventh trumpet? The seven bowls. So when the seventh trumpet is sounded, a whole program of judgment is released. One, two, three. And if you notice these sevens, each of them has not just one piece or element of judgment, each of them has their own series of judgment. And you are following. And please remember this is not eternal judgment. After these people go through these things, if they don't repent, they will go to hell. And now judgment will be for eternity. Amen. In the midst of these trumpets and um, bowls, how, no matter how bad they sound, the grace of God is still available. So God's judgment comes with grace. Before it comes to you, you can repent. It can be happening to your neighbor. You see that God will say to you, See what's happening? That's grace. You don't want to go through that. Well, repent. You know, when they told Jesus sometime about the pi- the, the pillar of the Tower of Siloam that fell and killed the worshippers. Remember that story? Some people came to him and said, did you hear what happened? He said, what happened? He so said, some people were worshipping and the, 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 the tower fell on them. And also, another incident, how some people were worshipping in the temple and uh, Herod mingled their blood with their sacrifices. Remember the story. What did Jesus say? Come on, Bible Aha! Uh-huh. A lot of you read this thing and you run away. I, I, listen, I know you read the Bible. Yes. He said, unless you repent, you will what? Likewise, Likewise perish. So, Some of the things you see on TV around us you ask yourself, you know what? It could have been me. And now that it's not me, I don't want to be, it to be me. I have to change. Am I making sense? That's the book of Revelation. Amen. And people can repent and you say, wow, but this person was just too bad. Have you heard of people repenting in prison? Why? Because grace followed them in prison. There was one man known as Son of Sam. I was not in America when he committed his atrocities. You were here, right? You knew. He was killing women. You should know. Killing women all over the Bronx. Killed about 20-something or 30-something women. And Yeah, he was a poster worker. He was killing everyone or women that, 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 that's something they called him but he was not the only one that's a trend in, in America yeah. and uh, NYPD looked for him for months before they tracked him down he's been in prison for over 30 years and he repented in prison <laughs> he preaches in prison amen that's grace that's crazy. There was a lady, my wife remembered this. We monitored that case. A lady in Texas in the early 2000s, they used to call her, her name was the pickaxe killer, mm-hmm. the pickaxe murderer. A lady. She, she was killing people with pickaxe, oh. killed men, yeah. And they arrested her put her in jail. She became a born again Christian. That was when President George Bush came in newly. So, they sentenced her to death. So conservative Christians fought, say she was born again. They shouldn't kill her. That's where Bush disagreed with them and signed her death sentence and but the thing is she's born again. Now civil authority will have to do what they have to do. And the girl and they, they showed her on, on in prison cell and she said she was peaceful with God and, and she went. They killed her. In the midst of judgment, there can be grace. But we don't want to wait because you know what? Chastisement is not easy. It's no joke. It's no joke. So if we can repent before anything happens, that would be the best. Are we all hearing? Okay. You know, yes. You know the funniest thing? You,
4: you talk about the best way to kill a toad, put it in a yes. pot of cold water and boil gradually. Some of us, because these things may ha- appear like everyday happenings, mm-hmm. it's going to be hard to relate it to spiritual things. Mm. So hearts will still remain unchanged. Mm-hmm. The, the, the things will come so natural, even up to taking the number 666, it's going to come so natural, like modern technology, you know, new invention. And people will just be subtly sucked in. I sit down sometimes and wonder about some of the things that you could never think of before. And they are happening now, even among Christians. You just see that we are just so desensitized. But if, thank God for teachings like this, we put our, you know, mindset, mm-hmm. we, we constantly remind mm-hmm. ourselves we will be alert. And, you know, that was mm-hmm. what Christ, you know, talked about and the, uh, the Apostle Paul, to be on the alert because these things will become so subtly.
0: Did you understand what she, the point she's making? Because yeah. if you don't come together and yeah. worship God and hear the word of God, you can be desisted by what is happening yeah. around you. I don't care how strong you are as a believer. The moment you lose that fellowship and you lose the facility of worshiping and serving God. Listen to me. We are not better than them. <laughs> if not for the grace of God and the spirit of God. Are you, are you following? So you can be sucked away easily. Amen? You know what happened in Sodom? In Sodom. That was not how Lot was raised. (laughs) Amen? When she got there, can you imagine him promising uh, uh, homosexuals, his daughters? Do you understand what I'm saying? Because these forces were trying to defy angels. That's how bad things can get. (laughs) Moving on.
1: As to what the mystery of God, spoken of fear, means, we have to explore the meaning of the word mystery. In a general secular sense, the word mystery means something, usually a reality that is previously secret and unknown, or something that is known but unexplained, unexplainable. Usually such things arouse great curiosity. And it's a subject of much speculations. However, in the Bible, this is not the primary meaning of mystery. In a biblical and specific sense, typically a mystery is a divine reality, usually a divine person, purpose, or plan, and provision, etc. Previously hidden or tucked away in God's eternal mind, or, word and letter revealed and unveiled to humanity. Daniel 2: S- Stop 29. right there.
0: Do you, do you, do you, do you, you, you understand the, the point here? A mystery, let's look in the biblical sense: a mystery is something that is previously hidden or talked away in God's eternal mind and later revealed to humanity. If you remember the what we were studying on Thursdays about that, remember, he said. his disciples ask him why do you talk to them in parables? He said because they are not entitled to the mystery of the kingdom. Meaning what God's purpose and plan about the kingdom is. Amen? Because they don't have loyalty to Christ. He will reveal it to them. Only God knew it. But he said to you I will reveal it. So, it was not known to humanity before, but, he, but to God. But God is revealing to humanity. That's the mystery. And when God reveals it, it's no more a mystery. Are you following? Amen. So, that's the point. Now, let's apply it to this book of Revelation. Remember the seven sealed books? Or the seventh sealed scroll or book. You remember, right? Okay. The seals... That we are being broken. We are not the content. After the seventh seal. And the book was opened. The content began from these trumpets. Until the end of the book of Revelation. And remember that that book was sealed. And no man was authorized to come to God and take it. Except one. Who was the one man? Jesus of Nazareth. Amen? He was the only one who was worthy to take the book and to open it. Why? Because what was in the book were mystery. He had given glimpses of it to the prophets like Daniel, like Zechariah, like Isaiah. Are you following? But the full knowledge of it awaited the Christ. And he was the only one that came. God had it, the scroll. That was God's plan for the future. Amen? So when he came, he, when he took it, and then the we were being broken. we are being broken. That was not the content. After the we were broken, there were warnings of what was inside the book. Those were warnings. The gospel, hunger, the black horse, and the, they, those were preliminaries. Now the book is open. You're having the trumpets. You're having the bowls. You're going to have the fall of Babylon. You're going to have the, the millennial kingdom. You're going to have uh, you know, the coming of the new heaven. and You're going to have heaven and hell. That's the content of the book. It was mystery before this time. And the angel is saying, now this mystery, the f- remainder of it is, will be what? Made open. That's what the angel was saying there. Is that clear? Amen. So let's go quickly.
1: In this slide then, the mystery of God spoken of here by the strong angel is a reference to the impending eschatological or end time purpose, plan and program of Almighty God at the time which consists of, on on the one hand, the remaining co- the remaining cause of judgment of evil, and on the other hand, the cause of salvation for his redeemed people.
0: You, you see it? That's a mystery. But it's being unfolded now. Amen?
1: Mm-hmm. The concluding part of the verse, or the expression, as he, God, preached to his servants, the prophets, alludes to this mystery of God as a core part of the gospel, Or good news of the kingdom which God has announced or preached to his servants, the prophets, for onward communication to humanity. The prophets in question include both those of the Old Testament and the New Testament. Okay. So when
0: you read those passages, you will see that. I just want us to go to the next verse. Is that okay? Go ahead.
1: Keep in mind, the gospel is essentially the announcement or proclamation of the dawn of God's kingdom or reign on earth, and the passing, words, and works of Jesus of Nazareth on earth. effecting on the one hand, the defeat of Satan, his forces or kingdom and evil, and on the other hand, the offer of redemption and salvation to humanity, culminating in the judgment of Satan his forces and evil, and the blessing of repentance and redeemed humanity. So that's a
0: summary of what the kingdom is involved. Let's move on.
1: Verse 8. Is that
0: verse 8? Yes. Wow. You guys lost me. Okay, verse 8.
1: Verse 8. And the voice which I heard from heaven, I heard again speaking with... With me mm-hmm. and saying, Go take the book which is taken, which is taken, which is open in the hand of the angel who stands on the sea and on the land. This same voice from heaven, which had in verse 4 prohibited John from writing down the words of the seven peals uh, of thunder, now clearly instructs him to go to the strong angel and take from his hand. The open little book.
0: Remember last week, we saw that when that, he saw the book first in the hand of the angel, right? There was a clear instruction, is that correct? And John wanted to write what he was saying. He told him, do not write. Is that correct? But now he's telling him to go to the strong angel and take from his hand the book. Now remember this is a little open book. It's not the same book that Christ, that God the Father had which Christ took from his hand that one is a big a scroll a big scroll this one is more of a pamphlet amen? amen amen that's why it's called little book and it's open that one was sealed amen okay moving on verse 9
1: verse 9 and i went to the angel telling him to give him the little book mm-hmm. and he said to me take it and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter but in your mouth, it will be sweet as honey. Hmm. By his own testimony... Stop right there.
0: Did you Did you hear that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And bitter in your stomach, right? Yes. I remember when we were growing up, we didn't like to take medications. Especially chloroquine. <laughs> <laughs> so... We, what we used to do, we used to put it in f- ground rice of Farina. <laughs> and we pass through the mouth. When they get there, we open up and be bitter there, but we don't care that time. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah. Huh? Oh, you mean the book? This. Oh, we'll find out. That's why we are here. <laughs> Amen. Are you ready? Because this is I guess that's where we end tonight because it's, tough, if it's uh, tough stuff. Are you ready? All right, let's read.
1: By his own testimony, John complies by going to the angel and asking for the book. Sequel to this obedient act of John is a second instruction. The identity of the instructor is not clear. Thus, we do not know whether the instruction was issued by the voice that had been speaking from heaven... Or by the strong angel on earth nevertheless the instruction was clear and direct and here it is take it the open little book and eat it and it will make your stomach bitter but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey revelation 10 9.
0: all right that's where we are right Okay, continue, continue.
1: Noticeably, from Revelation 10 to and up to this point, the identity and meaning of the book has not been clearly revealed or disclosed to us. However, in seeking to discern its meaning, we can draw some light from what John was told to do with it and compare it with the cases and experiences of two earlier prophets in time and scripture. These were the prophets Ezekiel and Jeremiah. Casting our attention back in time and thousands of years earlier, Ezekiel had been given a scroll that was filled on both sides with words of lamentation and woes or judgment and was commanded to eat it. And like John would later do, Ezekiel had com- complied and experienced a honey like sweetness upon eating the scroll. Ezekiel 2 9 to 10. And then 3, 1 to 4. Continue. This is also somewhat similar to the experience of the prophet Jeremiah.
0: Okay. Let's go to Ezekiel. Of course, you know we should be going to Ezekiel now. Ezekiel chapter 2, 9 to 10. And 3, 1 to 4. After that, we look at Jer- Jeremiah. Um, remember, we said that there are Old Testament books that were very similar to, to Revelation. Is that correct? What were the books? Jeremiah, Jeremiah. Daniel. Daniel Come on two more Huh Ezekiel 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 what else, which other book we said Daniel Zechariah Zechariah now especially Daniel and Zechariah they use the same images the same here, because they are what they call apocalyptic literature I will explain that we explained it at the beginning of this study if you remember, in our first outline. But I will explain it again, but not tonight. They are apocalyptic, uh, apocalyptic li- literature. They are usually like prophecy, but they are slightly different from, from prophecy. These things are not Bible uh, school stuff, even though they teach them in Bible school. They are things every believer should know and understand. Are you following? Actually, they b- in exact comparison, the book of Daniel, in the Old Testament, is revelation sealed. The revelation in the New Testament is Daniel opened, act revealed. Actually, the word um, revelation is apocalypse, it means to take the lid of or the cover off of something that was covered. So it's literally Daniel was asked to seal what he saw, not to tell anyone. Amen. And Revelation is literally asked to open it so that everybody will see it. Amen? Ezekiel, the same thing. So let's look at Ezekiel chapter 2 quickly. 9 to 10. Ezekiel 2, 9
3: to 10. Then I looked, and behold, a hand was extended to me, and, lo, a scroll was in it. When he spread it out before me, it was written on the front and the back, and written on it were lamentations, mourning, and woe.
0: Okay, a book was given to Ezekiel, right? Okay, you go to chapter 3, 1 to 4. And, and you remember the, words, the content of the book was lamentation and woes, right? Written on both sides. Yes, lamentation, mourning, and mourning and woe. Is that not what uh, jo- jo- John was dealing with here, too? Yes. All right, moving on.
2: Ezekiel 3, then he said to me, son of man, eat what you find, eat this scroll, and go. Speak to the house of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he fed me this scroll.
0: Did he see that? He opened his mouth, and he was fed the scroll.
2: He said to me, son of man, feed your stomach and fill your body with this scroll, which I am giving you. Then I ate it, and it was sweet as honey in my mouth. Then he said to me, Son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them.
0: And speak with my words. words. Did you hear that? Pay attention to that because put it in your pending file. We'll get to that. Uh, you're done, right? Yes. Okay, let's go to Jeremiah 15. Jeremiah 15, 16 to 17.
3: Jeremiah fifteen, sixteen to 17. Uh-huh. Your words were found and I ate them. Mm. And your words became for me a joy and the delight of my heart. Mm. For I have been called by your name, mm. O Lord God of hosts.
0: Amen. I
3: okay. did not sit in the circle of merrymakers, nor did I exhort. Because of, you, of your hand upon me, I sat alone. For you filled me with indignation.
0: Okay, amen? So we see the experiences of those two servants of God, right? The eight, the book, the, uh, the word of God. And this is supposed to be our experiences today too. And so le- l- let's see what that could mean. Continue, the matter.
1: In each of these three cases of Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and John, the prophet had been long called and commissioned by God and had been ministering in their prophetic callings. Also, each was given and mandated to proclaim prophetic words of woes and judgment to a recalcitrant or disobedient people. Amen. Ezekiel 3, 7 to 9. Let's
0: look at Ezekiel 3, 7 to 9. Let's look at the kind of commission that they were given. This is applicable to all three of them. Ezekiel 3, 7 to 9. Uh huh, Mike.
2: Yet the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, mm-hmm. since they are not willing to listen to me. Mm-hmm. Surely the whole house of Israel is stubborn and obstinate. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, mm-hmm. and your forehead as hard as their foreheads.
0: Mm-hmm. You done. You done.
2: I'm sorry. Like Mer- like emery hardened than flint. Have made your forehead, do not be afraid of them or be dismayed before them, though they are a rebellious house
0: does that ring a bell too? there was another prophet right remember who jeremiah, jeremiah. he said don't say I'm a child I cannot go and look at their faces so here when God gives you there are, you a word to people as a pastor. As an evangelist standing on the street corner, as a child of God, as a messenger of God to tell people of their wrongs. Sometimes you look at that and say, I can't go. Are you, are you hearing me? You're afraid. That's what comes in. And sometimes you're not afraid I will slap you, but sometimes you're so afraid what is in the word is tough. Sometimes the, wo- the content is tough. As a pastor, there are certain times he said, Speak to them about this word. <laughs> I said, I'm not the right person. Or maybe, Oh, hmm. How are they going to handle that? All of us will come to this point. So God has a way of getting us first. Pay attention to what's going to happen. Are you following? And that's why also we have to be prepared. Know that we don't live for us. You don't live for us. You cannot live for yourself alone. You don't even know when God will wake you up to send you. And it, maybe look at what we read there. Oh, their forehead looks like iron. I made your own iron too. <laughs> but he said, harder than. Uh, harder, than so, yeah, oh, harder. So. His own. So, so we have to. We don't. T- when you come to this point, this man or John has come to. How can you be asked to eat something that's bitter? And God will require us to do certain things that are not pleasant to us. He will send you to people. He will ask you to do certain things that may look like he's humiliating you that you're not comfortable with. Are you, are you getting the meaning of eating the word? Okay. Sometimes what you want to teach other people, you, we want you to experience it first. That's the meaning. The word of God, I love the word. You know one thing, I love the word. I love the word. That's the sweet part. Amen. That's a part of the word that we say, God, I wish this was not in the Bible. That's true. Has anybody felt like that before? Oh my goodness. You will if you're a believer, you will come to. Some part of the world, he said, I wish this was not in the Bible. Can you give me examples? You have wished things were not in the Bible. It doesn't have to be you. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Anonymous now, come on. Uh, Thank you. Thank you. Even Jesus, that's his experience. you You know, I was thinking about the experience of Jesus. You know what Jesus saw? He saw the condition of man. He saw what he was going to face on the cross. What the one day the Lord showed me that Jesus was in a position like he was asked to drink and eat human feces. And the holiness inside of him shuddered. Because it, it, there's no other way you can see that. I saw the picture when he that struggle on the cross, on the in the garden. It was like, can this call pass away? Is there another way? <laughs> he was like, okay, this is what you have chosen to do. Here's what it will cost you. You will drink their feces and their urine. That's what it is. The the act of him identifying with us. It was not a it wasn't a picnic. So there are going to be things God will you wish that wasn't the Bible. Any other example? When well, uh, when God told the prophet, mm-hmm.
2: he told the prophet to go out and ask. Someone to strike him, and the first man refused, and he died. Mm -hmm. And then the other one obeyed and struck the prophet.
0: That that was in Kings, right? Something similar. Something similar in he was um, God give give is something is a little slightly, but I, I see a little connection to that. But let's look at when God wants us to do certain things. Uh, thank you. Extra mile. Pray for your enemy. For those who persecute you. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. So that, because a day may come when you have to preach that to others. Are you following? <laughs> or you yourself will need it.
2: Mm-hmm. was when he asked us to love each other and be willing to give our lives for each other, for the brethren.
0: Praise the Lord.
2: When I first saw that, I was like, okay, you really want us to be like Jesus.
0: Okay. So there are a whole lot of things like that. A whole lot. So if you if you look at John, where was John when these things were happening? Where did he have this? In prison. In prison. Okay. He's still going to go and preach t- to these people, the wicked people who killed all his fellow apostles, and they are about to kill him. How about Jonah? That was the struggle with Jonah. He was asked to go to an enemy nation, to go and preach to them. <laughs> to <repent. laughs> yeah! Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, who took the northern kingdom to exile. They never hated Israel. And you want me to go and preach to them that you're a good God, they will be saved? The grace of God went away. And he, in fact, after he came out of the belly of the fish, he was still rebellious. He was still rebellious. And the message was harsh. You know the message? <laughs> 40 days and you're perished. <laughs> 40 days from now. And he started counting. Before he did it, the king. Got everybody to fast, including animals. Animals fasted. Have you seen a thing like that before? Animals, the grace of God. And then he prepared this little thing over his head to shade him from the sun. And when the sun came, he started nurturing the thing. God said, you see, and God arranged that. You love this thing. And you don't want me to love the people I created. (laughs) So it's, it's a tough call. It's always going to happen. All right. Sister Mata, sorry for your time.
1: Verse ten, and I took the little book out mm-hmm. of the angel's hand and ate it, mm-hmm. and it was in my mouth sweet as honey. And when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. Mm. Here, John responds as instructed by as instructed by taking the little book out of the hand of the angel mm-hmm. and proceeded to eat it. The eating of this scroll, or the word here, mean or the word here by John like Ezekiel and Jeremiah have done in the past, is em- emblematic of the, prof- of the prophet's own personal identification with the prophetic word and the incorporation or assimilation of it and all that it entails into his own personal life and experience.
0: Did you notice that? That's identification. You have to chew it, digest, digest it. it. You know, sometimes you digest words before you go and and talk to people right or you digest an experience before you go and share the same thing with the people or expect them to make certain responses is is that correct you have to digest it first that's what's happening here amen okay go ahead
1: furthermore by his personal intake or taking in of the word the prophet's commission is reinforced And the result is a renewed commitment to steadfastly proclaim the message of warning of impending woes and wrathful divine judgment to the people that need it.
0: So another meaning of that is a renewal of his calling. Are Are you following? A renewal of his calling. Praise God. A recommitment. Do we have to do that as believers? That's why when we study the Bible every day, we ought to have a renewal of our relationship with the Lord. And I, let, let me say this. As we study the Bible, we should be digesting the word of God. If you don't digest it, it won't, it won't come out. It won't produce anything. And it will not nourish you. Are you following? It will not nourish you. We need to digest it. Amen? And like we said, there's some part of the world that will be bitter. And you know what? That bitter part is part of it. Praise the Lord. Alleluia. It's part of it. And it will do great changes in us. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you know what? When, when the bitterness is over, we will feel relieved. Praise God. Alright, moving on.
1: In the, cases of, in the cases of Ezekiel and Jeremiah, it was rebellious Israel. And in the case of John here, in the apocalypse, it will be unrepentant and rebellious, and rebellious humanity at the end of age. Of the age. Mm.
0: Okay, go ahead.
1: And this is very pertinent in this case of John, considering the adult tasks that the proclamation of the gospel will assume among a season of ever increasing evil and rebellion in the face of impending eschatological divine judgment.
0: You, you notice that John is now going to face a new level of mystery. Are are you following? From what will happen from that moment onwards, the evil of the man will be intensified, and the the call on him will be increased to go forth and share what he had. So he had to digest it also. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. All right, moving on.
1: The twofold qualities of honey—like sweetness and bitterness—of the prophetic word is equally worthy of attention. Mm-hmm. Ezekiel three three, Jeremiah fifteen sixteen to seventeen, Revelation ten ten. Notice the scroll or word was sweet in the mouth. Psalm nineteen, Psalm nineteen ten one one nine, verse one o three. But bitter in the stomach. Indeed. Okay on an average or for the most part a believer finds god's word sweet sweet, sweet. even sweet even, even sweet, sweeter, sweeter than, than yeah. honey mm-hmm. but in many cases and as pertains and and as pertains to certain practical situations he may also find it bitter in fact there are cases whereby the same believer had found god god's word initially sweet but later by reason of the need to apply it in certain practical life experiences, it turns out to be bitter. Is that true? Yes.
0: Uh, there are certain things that will happen to you, or you you wanted to do. You say, "I wish I was not a believer." <laughs> is that is that true? <laughs> I wish, I wish I wasn't a believer. And that's why when some people get born again, sometimes they delay in making it known because they're beginning to find out certain things they are not at liberty, to do anymore. Is that true? Yes. They, their choices are now limited. At that time, the word of God is getting bitter. Have you, now you can remember the parable of the, of the seed? Huh? There are some people, when they hear the word, for joy, they jump into it, right? But later, because of what? Uh, affliction for the sake of the word. the the back up, the backslide. Is that true? And that's what it is. Continue. I think the honey there should be H-O-N-E-Y. Oh, yeah, yeah. H-O-N-E-Y, my mistake. We got them right in other places. Amen.
1: All right. Often, because of the failure of such realistic personal incorporation assimilation of God's word beforehand, the outcome in certain life experiences turned tragic. Matthew 13, 5 to 6, 20 to 22. The sweetness of the prophetic word in the mouth of the prophets speaks of their love and commitment for, as well as their willingness and readiness to proclaim it, regardless of the unheeding attitude of their audience and other unfavorable factors. Jeremiah 1, 4 to 10. Then 15,
0: 16 to 17. Is that clear? Huh? Yes. Okay. Let's go.
1: The bitterness of the word in the stomach results from the prophet's di- digesting of, of the, the word. word. Mm-hmm. So digesting of the word implies the, prof- the prophet's careful weighing by thoughtful and deep meditation of the implications and consequences of the word on the people there is no better way of articulating such tension that goes on in the mind or heart of the bearer and proclaimer of the divine message vis-a-vis his awareness of on the other hand the potential impact and implication of the message and on the other hand the unwillingness of the people to heed his warning than to than the secular expression truth is bitter
0: have you heard of that expression before (laughs) Truth is bitter. There are some truths you, you are sent to tell some people, and you know they will not receive it. Well, but you have to tell them. So you weigh it. You digest it. And also you ask yourself, if it were me, are you following? Yeah. Um, will I take it? So you have to ask yourself, because tomorrow they, they may come to you. It may be your turn. And that doesn't mean you cannot, you know, find a way of delivering it. Can, can, can you give me an example of somebody who was faced with confronting
1: the king he was David?
0: You saw what how he did it. He, he, that thing was bitter, however you look at it. But you notice what he did. How I many of you remember what he did? Mm-hmm. He gave a parable. He gave a parable a and the story, and the expected. uh, King David to make an evaluation. David said, The man who did such a thing ought to be (laughs) killed. You know know what I feel? I don't think that Nathan was ready for that. (laughs) It's like the ball came back. (laughs) After he said that, he said, King is you. King. At that time, you cannot hide anymore. No, neither him nor David. But he said, King. But that's you. You, you, you said such a person should be killed? Yes, should be killed. Hmm. I, I don't think he told immediately. He said, David said, Of course, he should be killed. He said, But King is you. <laughs> Let me tell you this story. <laughs> and sometimes he may bounce back to you. Years ago, when we were student nurses, my friend and I is in Atlanta now, I think. One of these days, I remind him of that story. There's what we call the chest ward. We used to call it, um, I forgot what we call it. He um, used to treat people with tuberculosis and all that. So there was this patient. His case was so bad. An elderly man. Uh, his lungs were rotten and were smelling. So the whole corner where he was was smelling. So the son who was in the far city came to visit him after he heard the father was there, uh, sick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when he walked into the wall, oh, the place was smelling. He was upset. Is this where they put my father? <laughs> <laughs> he saw the father. That's a, a shock. He asked the the nurse was telling him the situation. I said, but why did you put him in the smelling corner? My friend couldn't. He said, but he seems smelling. <laughs> he seemed that smelling. Sometimes you have to be ready, you digest these things, you get ready. Sometimes you have to wait before you say before I tell you a serious situation in the Bible, I'll tell you in that case, Sister Christina, she gave the testimony. She had this tenant. And the tenant was dirty or something like that and made the place smell. The lady came complaining to Christina. Christina said, but it's you. <laughs> we say, you said to her like that? Say yes. <laughs> Remember that testimony? I say. He said, yes, but it's... (laughs) But on a serious note, you have to weigh, you have to digest. When Jacob was running away from the father-in-law, right? Laban. And not knowing that the younger wife, the second wife, has stolen the father's idol. And the father caught them midway. And say, I know you are planning to leave, to run away. It's okay, you run away. But why did you steal my idol? The man blotted out a curse. Mm -hmm. If you find the idol with any member of my family, may so and so and so happen. Are you following? The man said, okay, but let's see, let's search. They started searching everybody. It happened that Rachel was sitting on it. On the donkey. Now the curse has gone out. You can't get it back. And Rachel died in childbirth on that journey. And it's, this, it's clear it was from that curse. So let's digest. Let's digest. It, it, this thing, you notice, is multidimensional. Before you react, digest. Before you speak, and all of us have made mistakes, sometimes we're hasty. I remember the first time I took Pastor Desmond to Lagos, (laughs) and we just came out from the airport, and we we were driving to my sister's house, and um, the cars were going crazy in Lagos. I mean, it's unbelievable. And he saw people peeing on the street. (laughs) He saw everything... (laughs) I turned around and said, Pastor, Desmond, What do you think? He said, I'm just taking it in. (laughs) 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 So, sometimes, the Bible says, don't be hasty to speak. You you know, do you understand what I'm saying? You know, these are illustrations. (laughs) So, but it took him two days. One day, we are passing, passing by he began to tell me what he was seeing. He saw people take refrigerators, break it down, piece it up again. He couldn't believe it. He said to me, but there's market everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> After two days until we came back, he was talking. So, but you take it in first. Are, are you following? <laughs> Before you talk. Yes, quick. <laughs> uh, Praise God. Hallelujah.
4: Um, I'm happy we're talking about this, and I want to bring it home. I'm I'm happy we are talking about weighing, you know, things Mm. before we say it. Sometimes, like we saw in the case of Nathan and uh, uh, King David, Mm. sometimes what we have to say is correct, Mm. is true, Mm. is the word of God, but the packaging is so wrong. That at the end, the person you are supposed to be giving a message to turn the person around. It brings up a quarrel. It makes the person harder. And confusion and all that. So, if we can learn from this example, you weigh, you digest whatever message you have to give to the person. I'm not saying dilute it. I'm not saying don't go. I'm not saying delay. Mm -mm. But I'm saying think about it and ask the Holy Ghost to tell you how to say it. Hmm. and the the better approach to it. Amen. Because the essence of that message is not to kill your, your, bread, your brother or your sister but to turn your brother or sister into to repentance. Gain them. To gain them. So if Amen. you say it and package it you know what you have to say in the wrong packaging. It's not going to last. Amen. Praise the Lord.
1: Amen.
0: Amen. Sister Mata continue.
4: This,
1: this appears to be something every servant of God who had ever proclaimed his word to humanity had faced and grappled with and most notably in the New Testament, apart from the Apostle John, there are at least two other servants of God who experienced this struggle. These are Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, and one of servants, the
0: Apostle Paul. One of his servants, my mistake.
1: Mm. In the case of Jesus, an outstanding instance was the occasion of his weeping over the city of Jerusalem and the entire nation of Israel in view of the doom that was impending over it on account of rejection of his message by his by its inhabitants and citizens.
0: Remember when he wept over the city of Jerusalem? He did exactly what Jeremiah and all that. He wept because being from that city, he was first internalizing the trouble that would come upon that city. That was why he wept and he spoke from that. He weighed what was going to happen. Are you following? Amen. And if you don't have that kind of spirit of chewing the word, take for instance, you can't win souls. Are are, are you following? A lot of us are struggling with evangelism because we've not really weighed the word of the judgment that's coming upon the world. Or upon our family members who are not saved. Amen. Let's go to Matthew twenty-three quickly. Matthew twenty-three, thirty-seven to thirty-eight. Find it quickly. Thirty-seven
2: to thirty-eight. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Who will kill the prophets and stones do- stones those? who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. The way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you are unwilling. Behold, your house has been left to you desolate.
0: Did you notice that? He loved the people. He was part of the people. He gave them the truth. He couldn't cover it up, but you can see he was not doing it with joy with glee. He was not rejoicing at their downfall, And that's another thing. When you know the, what will come upon your people, even your enemies, are you following? And internalize it out of human pity. You can weep over the situation. Are you following? Look at chapter 24 quickly. This is what it takes. And this is important for us. Those of us who are Christians, we have family members who are living wrong. Amen? We need to chew the word, the sweetness. You can say, oh, I'm, thank God I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. But you look at your family member who's not saved. Are you, are you following? Or your brother in Christ who's not living right. That is a passion. Passion. 24, 1 to 2, quickly.
3: Jesus came out from the temple and was going away when his disciples came up to point out the temple buildings to him. Mm-hmm. And he said to them, do you not see all these things? Mm-hmm. Truly I say to you, not one stone here will mm. be left upon another, which will not be torn down.
0: Did you notice that? The, his disciples were Jews they were every Jew of the day was proud of that temple of Solomon. Are you following? And they expect they were they, they, they were worried that Jesus was not too excited about it. Are you are you following? You know why? Because he had digested the word of judgment that was coming on that temple. Are you following now? He digested what was coming on that. And when they asked him, he had to tell them the truth. Does he mean that he didn't love that temple? He did. <laughs> so this thing we're dealing with is multifaceted. Towards us, God is go, going to tell us to do things we don't like. And if Jesus could avoid that, he could have avoided that. Amen? And God will also ask us to do things that we are not comfortable with on our own self. Maybe to forgive somebody. Pray for your enemy. Are, are, are you following? Huh? Give to somebody. (laughs) You didn't think you should give. All kinds of things. Reconcile. All right. Let's go through. Fly over. Come on. Let's fly.
1: (laughs) For Paul, it was his regrettably lamenting, pondering over the (laughs) impending judgment, whereby by reason of their own belief, some among his people, the Jews, the natural branches of the cultivated olive tree. Will be cut off from their covenant heritage, the rich root, in order for the Gentiles, the branches of the wild olive tree, to be engrafted to the true people of God, of God, those who find their roots in the Abrahamic con- covenant, mm-hmm. the cultivated olive tree. Romans I will explain.
0: I know it's we are rushing. Go ahead.
1: Romans 11, 13 to twenty five. Mm-hmm. Even before he pondered over such an impending destiny for his people, Paul had, in the previous chapter, expressed his prayerful heart, desire for them. This he did in Romans 10, 1 to 4.
0: Okay. You, you remember when we studied the, the the two Israels? Remember that study? How the, the olive tree, amen? What olive tree? The cultivated olive tree, right? Huh? is God's people. Is that correct? Uh God is forming his real people now. So what did he do? The sign or the symbol is what? The olive tree. Cultivated olive tree. So what did God do? In that cultivated olive tree supposed to be believing people. So he looked at the branches and cut off some of the branches. The branches is cut off were unbelieving Jews, and he went to the bush and got wild olive branches. Who are those Gentiles? People from he brought them and did what a horticulturist would do: grafted it into the cultivated, because they believed. Are you following? Amen. So, do you think if you go to a group of Nigerians? Group of Jamaicans, group of Americans, group of Jamaicans, mm-hmm. and say to them, Hey, you know what? Not every Jamaican is a real Jamaican. <laughs> they say, What do you mean? They say, There are Trinidadians who are more Jamaicans than you. What do you think will happen to you? Mm-hmm. you, 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 you Jamaicans? Are you saying it from Kingston? Do you know the Jews hate Paul today, today? There are two people they don't want to hear, Jesus and Paul. Because they felt they went to the Gentiles and gave to them what belonged to them and gave it to the Gentiles. Did Paul and Jesus know that that will happen? That would be the consequence of the attitude of their people towards them? Yes, they knew. And they digested it. Paul said, I wish I could die for my own people, the Jews that I would rather be judged and they be saved. He chewed. He digested. The word of God was sweet. But when he looked at the fact that his own people would be cast away, and Gentiles whose saw were well, dumb idols would be grafted, it was bitter. But he had no choice. Is that clear? Praise the Lord. So, Sister Mata.
1: But knowing Israel's stubborn unwillingness and recalcitrance towards the redemptive grace of God, which he had pro- proclaimed to them, Paul nursed in his heart a great sorrow and unceasing grief. Mm-hmm. Romans nine nine two. Mm-hmm. This was to the extent that he wished that he was that he was cursed and separated from Christ, for the sake of his brethren and kinsmen by flesh, namely the Jews.
0: Did you see the bitterness there? Romans 9 3. <laughs> we will read that passage, but let's finish the, the, the write up and then we go.
1: Likewise, in our proclamations in the present era,
0: now this is for every one of us,
1: we are not to be selective and imbalanced by proclaiming only the sweetness of God's goodness, but we are to proclaim also the bitterness of God's judgment. However, when there is a necessity to warn the people of his wrath, we are not to do it with glee, but with a sorrow of of heart symbolized by the bitterness brought about by the weighing of the implication of the divine warning.
0: Is that clear? Yes. Okay, read Romans chapter nine, one to three. Let's hear Paul. Wow. Sister Mata, that was a good read. My goodness. That was a good read. All right. Romans 9, 1-3. Wow, you guys are weak. Praise All God. So nobody slept.
4: I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ, for the sake of my brethren, my king's men, according to the flesh.
0: Amen. Did you hear that? So, you notice that they sorrow there. (laughs) But it didn't stop him. That's God's plan. We must submit to God's plan. If Paul would get every Jew saved, he would have done it. It is something he looked at and said, I wish to the extent of giving up his own salvation and life to make sure they are saved, but they wouldn't. Are you following? So that's a charge, a responsibility upon us. Read just that verse. That's where we are going to start next, verse 11. Let's look, read verse 11 without the commentary. We'll start with the commentary next week.
1: Okay. Verse 11. Mm -hmm. And they said to me, you must prophesy again concerning many peoples and nations and tongues and kings.
0: Did, did, did you notice that that was also a, a renewal of commitment for him to, to, for him to prophesy? Sometimes you think your job has come to an end. Are you, are you hearing me? Mm. So the second meaning of eating that thing is that the word is the source of refreshment for you to go to the next level He'll go to the next level. I, th- I think we should read the commentary next week. Is that correct? Mm. Uh, do we have b- class next week? Oh, wow. So we'll have our monthly um, interlude. break, interlude. <laughs> <laughs> and what's the content of the interlude? Um, all night prayer meeting. Amen. <laughs> uh, are you following? So this time, next Friday, you should be sleeping, getting ready for the all night prayer meeting. Amen. Were well, you blessed tonight? Amen. Praise the Lord. And um, so, please, before we have the next class, try and read up, especially those of you who have had some breaks with this outline. Amen? Try and read up from the beginning up to this point. It will be helpful so that when we start next time, you don't feel lost. Amen? And as much as you can, read the passages. Praise the Lord. Try and read the passages. Uh, you know, when we began, we used to read about every passage, every scripture verse. Is that correct? But but now we are trying to you know catch up, speed up a little bit. So you you can do that on your own. So you, it's not good for you to be too spoon-fed. Praise God. Is that okay? Any questions, contributions, observations? Yes. There are mics. Yeah,
5: yeah. Not like what Pastor Moran was saying about, you know, (laughs) watching your word, let me put it that way, you Mm, know, before mm, you, you know. mm. So about uh, sometimes when you do that, you know, because I've had the experience uh, where after, you know, trying to, you know, say it in such a way, and then I am told, well, that's the Pentecostal way. (laughs) So what, you know, when that happens, So, can you now, you know, sharpen it more so that, the you know... Yeah, yeah. you know, uh, sometimes... Uh, Yeah, yeah, I have had that experience. Sometimes,
0: but I think what Pastor Murray is saying is that first approach that way. Yeah,
5: yeah, that's what I'm saying. You approach it that way, and I'm told, personally, Mm -hmm. my uh, personal experience, Mm -hmm. forget him that Pentecostal, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Bernard Kenton Yeah. So, then the next thing, can't you then... For them to understand, because now you try to mm. make them so that they can repent and it looks like uh, they're now taking a uh, just forget him, that's the Pentecostal uh, you know, thing. Then Can you sharpen it now uh, more, so that they will really... I
0: think, I think what Pastor Murray is talking in terms is you know, package it, don't lose the content. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Don't lose the content. Keep the content. Because there are extremes. There are extremes. There are people who just Say, and that's one thing we must guide uh, uh, in Christianity. There are people who just say the thing, they say say it like yeah. the way they say it, you know. And, and you know what I find out? Those people cannot take it when other people say it to them that way. Many of them. So tell the people the truth. But don't do it in such a way that you will lose their attention. Because the key thing here is to communicate. Are are you you following? Yeah. But the point you're making, that's another side of it. If they reject that diplomatic way, that packaging way, then you put it to them the way they like. Are, are 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 you following? But so you don't go just the first one. Try and get them to understand. Try and get them to... Because the issue here is to change them, to turn them around. But if they appear like you let them know, and you let them know the consequences, they have to know. Amen? Yes?
4: Um, I think some of uh, these things we have to take it on an individual basis, mm-hmm. you know. Sometimes when the way you will say it, need to say something to some part, one person, you need to say it blunt, like they will say And to another person, you need to find a nicer way of presenting it. Let me take myself for an example. There was a sister we had in our midst. Everybody, you know, most people enjoyed her. She gave me a gift. I'm not giving out my size for you to know (laughs) now, but she said, I wear a a large. She bought a medium. She said to me, Sister Maureen, I bought you a medium because I want you to lose weight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. I want to lose weight, so I don't mind. I didn't feel it. It didn't touch me. Didn't. But I know if she had said it to some other person, pastor would be settling that dispute. (laughs) You know, I'm saying it as a testimony because it never touched me. But I know that some people will mm-hmm. not take it that way, yeah. you know that kind of a thing. It, and to be sincere, I saw her sincerity. She she didn't mean to mm. be bad to me. It's just that mm. that was how she felt. She know she could put it.
0: it, it, it I, I mean, you 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 have to the, the, to digest things, know how to present it, and also feel yourself because you could the shoe could drop on the other leg like, side too. Uh, there, there are a whole lot of things, problems in church today that are not supposed to be there just because people did not have to talk to people. Let's say, let me give you a, 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 an example and don't let your mind be wondering. A sister wore a summer, you know, a, a sleeveless blouse, but he had a cover. In it. But if I, at a certain point in the prayer, she took it off and then she was coming to hug this other sister. No, 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 don't hug me. Do you understand the, the example I'm giving? It's not appropriate. Hug the sister. And after. Do you understand what I'm saying? That th- these are the kind of things you are, Because your own issue may not be that. It may be another thing. The Bible says, gentle words turn away anger. But the point you're making still stands. There are people Especially if life is at stake. Huh? If there's going to be harm and danger, you don't have room to play around with diplomacy and all that. Let the person know, no, you can't. And there are is that clear? It's not every time you tell yeah. the person, they will accept it. Yes. With some people, no matter how you put it, they will still find offense. Amen? Alright, um... Let's stand. Bear in mind that ultimately this is about changing our lives. Amen. Yeah. There are, and the key note we are going home with today is that some part of God's word will sound sweet. And some of them will sound what? Bitter. Amen? God and again sometimes God will demand you to do something. You want to say something? Okay. God may demand you to do something. Are you hearing me? And it's bitter. It may be to make changes in your life. And it's bitter. Praise the Lord. Rem- remember Jeremiah? Ezekiel? And um, John? They had these experiences. Praise the Lord. Amen. Jesus had the same experience. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Let's all stand.